Hello, I'm Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. I warmly welcome Dr. Kathy O'Grady to our program today and feel so very grateful to have her with us. Kathy is a GP who has been working in the Newcastle area for over 30 years. She has a special interest in mental health. Kathy has been working as a medical educator with the Black Dog Institute for the last eight years, delivering a range of workshops dealing with depression, anxiety, perinatal mental health, suicide prevention, youth mental health, PTSD, bipolar disorder, e-mental health and professional well-being and burnout. Kathy speaks today about the work of the Black Dog Institute and about some of the ways we can enter into a conversation with adults who may be struggling. She shares some of the more concerning signs as well as some ways in which we can respond. This response may include providing personal support or exploring some professional avenues. Kathy speaks about the value of empathy and of creating a space where people can share their distress without judgment. Jesus modelled this in his lifetime and inspires us to do the same. It's from this open and attentive place that we can best offer support. Please note that there are some references to sensitive mental health issues in this episode, including suicide. If you feel uncomfortable or distressed at any point, please reach out to someone for help. Connect with one of the support agencies like Beyond Blue or Lifeline or contact a medical practitioner directly. Kathy, thank you so much for coming onto our program today. It's just wonderful to have you with us. You're very welcome, Rob. Oh, thank you. And Kathy, I wonder if you could tell us a bit, how did you come to be involved with the Black Dog Institute and, and what's your role with, with the Black Dog Institute? Yeah, so I've been a GP for quite a number of years and working a lot in mental health, which I find probably the most rewarding part of general practice, but also the most challenging. And so Black Dog, um, my role there as an educator, medical educator, gives me a chance to, to help upskill other doctors, psychologists, social workers, anybody working with, in mental health to increase their confidence, their knowledge. And we deliver very practical courses. So, so giving them, them extra skills to help people. Oh, that would be incredibly valuable to so many, no doubt. And Kathy, I'm aware that the, the Institute does a number of different things. Could, could you tell us a bit about some of the work of Black Dog Institute? Because it's, it, it's, it's multifaceted from what I gather. It is. It's huge. So, so Black Dog Institute started in 2002, so currently yeah, celebrating 20 years. And it's the only research institute in Australia that looks at mental health across the whole of the lifespan. 
And what they do with that research, they then translate it into various areas. So one of them is in clinical care. So they have a number of clinics. One is education, which is the part that I'm involved in. And that's professional education as well as community education, schools, workplaces as well. And then digital tools. So, so a lot of work into e-mental health tools as well. And always being informed by people with lived experience. It's wonderful that it's really addressing all those different platforms and providing so many different avenues for people to connect into that research. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then using, so everything that comes from that re- that research is then sort of uh, has a practical application. Yes. Yes. So valuable. And Kathy, we, our world, we've been through so much over these last two, three years, you know, with the pandemic. What have you observed? What have you observed in terms of people's mental health in an Australian context? I mean, I know that there'd be other similarities overseas, but I just wonder from from a more localised context. Yeah, look, I think it's I think it's rare that we would have a, a, such a major stressor in our lives that affects the whole of our community the whole of the world and affects us both in our personal lives and our professional lives all all at once and so the you know the 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 effect of that stress has been huge interestingly early on in the pandemic that that sense of camaraderie was probably somewhat protective but but that's not going to be long long lasting and so you know there's a number of things that have happened so I think that loss of control that we've all felt you know we used to think that we could control our lives and we could plan things. And, and even now, you know, into our third year, we can't plan things because somebody gets COVID. And so, you know, you have those pressures, or, you know, within your job, there's something new you've got to learn all the time. The, it always keeps changing that sense of am I doing enough? Then, you know, the, the extra pressures of, of lockdowns and homeschooling, you know, and for teachers having to do online learning. And so, and me as a GP, still the rules and regulations change day by day. So you've got that sort of that that stress but then and then you've got that the, the grief that goes with all of that too how we thought life would be um some of the, and then the things that we actually use to manage stress also got taken from us as well so you know lack of connections online's great but it's not the same as face to face you know we couldn't go out and do things that we were interested in we couldn't travel which is it's actually not just a luxury it actually helps us you know it helps it's it broadens our horizons so so the things that we would actually do normally to deal with stress got taken as well um, you know, on the plus side, though, um, and I, I do, I do talk about advantages from COVID. I call them co-advantages. I think one of the, you know, one of the big co-advantages was that even though our mental health load increased, it suddenly became a lot more acceptable to talk about mental health because we were all in the same boat. Yeah. So moving away from that sense of, oh, well, there are tough people who, you know, who don't get mental health problems, um, and then there are those weak people who who suffer mental ill health. That was it's actually really nice that we can all go, no, actually we're all the same. We are all vulnerable to mental ill health. Yeah, you're so right. You're so, that shared experience, I'm sure, would have given us all an insight into that. Mm, yes, mm. yeah, and it made it okay for, for people to talk about it. Yes. And present. Yes. So, so from, from my perspective, a lot more people presenting with mm. their mental health problems. That's such a valid point. You know, I really see great insight in that. And mm. 
Kathy, I mean, Are You OK Day acknowledges the value of, of checking in, you know, of checking in on family or friends who appear to be struggling. And, and in this conversation today, we're looking at it from a perspective of adults supporting other adults. I, I wonder if, if we could explore just a few scenarios and, and draw on your wisdom and experience for, for ways to, to respond to a few of these. Sure. So, you know, sometimes we can notice that an adult friend, like a relative or a colleague, may be, you know, just a little bit more withdrawn or, or they may feel a little bit more irritable. And, and these can be signs to us that, you know, that they may be struggling. What are some of the signs that you've observed that, that, that sort of indicate that someone may, in fact, be struggling? Yeah, so definitely, definitely they are, you know, that disconnect, that withdrawal. There's that sense of feeling, you know, get that sense of people feel like they're a burden. That's a particularly concerning um, one. And and also if they if you get the sense that they feel trapped and you'll often catch that. So you'll be talking to somebody and they've got a lot of problems uh, and you get catch this sense of, of hopelessness and entrapment that, you know, nothing can be done. And I think that's something that if you kind of notice that you're feeling like that, then that's an indicator that, yeah, that, that, that probably more needs to be done for, for that person. I guess other things that, you know, maybe not, not doing things that they normally enjoy or not doing them but not getting enjoyment from them. And then maybe some things which people think are maybe trying to help but maybe not. So, you know, increased drinking, you know, that, that sort of self-medication stuff as well. And it seems, Cathy, as though it's, it's sort of observing things but also an intuitive thing mm. as well, picking mm. up between yes. the words and the, and the behaviours as yeah. well. Yeah, and I think that's helpful too because I think when we catch that sense of hopelessness and helplessness, we might want to run away because it's like, oh, I don't know what to do to help this person. And so to be able to sit with that a little bit and go, okay, that, that, that shows that I actually need to do more and then know what yes. to do. Yeah. Yes, yes, and that's that, that next step, isn't it? And, mm. and I once you've, you've seen these, these signs and, and you feel it might be important to ask them, are you okay, how would you suggest approaching them? I mean, do you have any, any sort of thoughts or tips around how to set this up or the timing for this? Because I think some time is, is, is better than others. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I mean, it depends on the urgency of it as well. If it's particularly urgent, you're just going to do it then and there. But if you do have the chance, I guess, putting, you know, doing it in a place where, I mean, first of all, I guess coming, letting people know that you're coming to it because you care about them. Because there could be this misunderstanding that that you're judging, or because there and there's a thing called transference where people can think that you're thinking what they're thinking, and so if you're feeling like that I'm just hopeless and I'm no good at this, then people might transfer that onto you. So yeah, so so setting it up that you're doing it because you care, and then I guess a, a time where you're not going to have interruptions. It might be some something where people feel comfortable. So you know, walk and talk, setting up a walk, playing golf, going for coffee something that you know is going to be I guess a, a, a not a non-threatening place yeah I know a number of friends have sort of said that that's the sort of conversation they've had when they've been walking with a friend mm. so I think that's a really great reminder a great mm. reminder Kathy. Kathy we all need different levels of support at different times what are, what have you found as some of the indicators that this person that we're you know friends or a colleague may require professional support or, or more support than what we're able to actually give in that at that time yeah I guess the I guess the first one is is what we're doing enough so is the, if the person says oh look thank you for that talk I feel so much better now then that pressure to sort of think yeah professional support I mean that could still add um but that pressure 
one of the things that we look at is is function. How much is this distress affecting somebody's function? And so when we're looking at function, we're looking at areas of you know relationships, parenting work you know are they, are they missing work self-care they're not looking after themselves so so ha- yeah that gives you a bit of an idea about about the degree of distress and then the degree of kind of help that people may need no that makes a lot of sense a lot of sense Kathy Kathy what are some of the best ways you could then perhaps direct people towards some of the services that are available because there's a number of different services available because it and, and it's not always easy when it's someone so close to you yeah, I think I think um, actually one of the things we need to do before we kind of move that on is one of the most important things that we do when we're listening is actually to understand the distress that the person is feeling before we move into fix. And I think that's also a drive, you know, certainly professionally I had that, you know, I'm, I'm a doctor, I'm a fix-it person. But I think, you know, with our friends, with our family, we care about people and we want to fix it. And what the research shows is that people actually don't want that fix first. They actually want to be understood. They want their distress understood. And that doesn't necessarily mean we're agreeing with it, with it. So somebody might be very, you know, saying, I'm, you know, I'm hopeless, I can't do anything. But what you're actually understanding is that sense of, 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 of despair rather than agreeing with the cause of it. So that's, yeah. That meeting, meeting the person, having mm. the sense that you're hearing what yes, they're saying. Absolutely. And in that moment yeah absolutely hearing it yeah before we move into fix it and that that applies for men as well as women so we have this idea that men are fix it people no we all have emotions we all have distress we all need to be heard and understood first yeah so so then I guess once you know once we've sort of done that then we can kind of go into what else we can do to help I guess the first protocol, obviously, is probably the GP, getting them to go and see their GP. EAP is another area yes. that, you know, you, that people are pretty familiar with. There are some, there is an online search portal called Head to Health, which was set up with Black Dog and another, a few other agencies looking at e-mental health resources. So if you're thinking, oh, that's something that, that could help explain it or help understand it, um, and even for yourself to try and understand it, you can actually go into Head to Health. Um, and it's a search portal that look at anything that's Australian, evidence-based and safe to do with mental health on the internet. And you can go in as a consumer and, and just type in depression or anxiety um, yes. and it'll come up with a whole lot of resources there as well so that that can be helpful too oh, that's valuable because some people want to enter it at, in different ways and for some that's that could be their first step yes that's right a little bit more yes yeah, yes and, yeah, and education is really important like if we know what's happening to us then we're yes. then, then that in itself is soothing but also can help help seeking behavior yeah so mm-hmm. so people are more likely to go and get help you know and and i think how we present help again is really important that it is help it's not punishment um it's not mm-hmm. failure you're not being sent to the psychologist because you've been bad. And I think, you know, that first case you sort of said, you know, if people present with irritability, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's sometimes easiest for it to connect with somebody when they're sad and crying than when they're irritable and angry. And distress can can present equally the same both yes. ways. Yeah. Yes. No, that's, that's so very true. Cathy, it sounds as though there's a lot of extraordinary resources out there at the moment that can be tremendously supportive. I just wonder if you, if you might share some other resources that you've come across that have been um, particularly helpful to people at this yeah. time. 
Yeah. Okay. So I, I think one of the things that might make us a bit hesitant to ask, are you okay, is that, I get, that we're a bit scared about what to do with the answer and we're scared to how to ask. And I guess when we're, you know, I guess one of the things that we're mostly scared about too is, is, is suicidality and that if we ask somebody, particularly if we ask them, uh, you know, do you have suicidal thoughts, is, is that going to put the idea in their mind? Is that going to, you know, contribute to them doing it? And I can definitely the research says no. And an excellent resource for that is um, Conversations Matter, so people, um, which is, it's got a lot of resources in terms of there's a podcast, there's fact sheets about how to ask if people are okay and then what to do with those answers so that that can be very reassuring so and and build that confidence that it's okay to ask these questions and and from what you sort of said it sounds as though even the asking of it can be helpful or or, or protective for absolutely yeah and again the research shows that asking is protective in itself because often it's people people aren't talking about this stuff. Um, it's very private, it's very personal, it's very distressing. People can feel quite guilty for having those thoughts, particularly if they kind of look and go, oh, my life's all right, I don't, I don't deserve these thoughts. So just asking and letting people talk is actually protective because it's not quite so scary when somebody else knows how you're feeling. Yeah, and then linking people into yeah to to connections, and certainly if people if people are talking about suicide in any way, shape, or form, then they need extra professional care because yes. that's a sign of, inc- of 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 significant distress. Most certainly, yes, yes. Um, another another resource actually when we're looking at that as well is from suicide callback service, um, which actually will will talk with you if you're concerned about about somebody as well. Very helpful to know, Kathy. Thank you. Mm. Kathy, sometimes when we're with a person and they share where they're at, there may not be concerning signs, um, but they'd still benefit from, from some support, you know, from friends and family. What are some things that friends and family can do when, when someone is, you know, struggling a bit, but, but, but you know, there's no concerning signs? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, again, recommending some professional care is good. So any any level of distress, psychologists are, are, are great at helping that. And also, you know, and the e-mental health services have been shown to be equally effective to face-to-face psychology for mild to moderate levels of, of distress. So, so coming back to that. But I think, uh, you know, in terms of supporting as friends and family, uh, yeah, that, that first, that understanding their distress is is, is definitely in, important. Encouraging them. And, and I guess it's really, it's similar, I guess, to what I do to encourage people to accept care, professional care, is being able to kind of, I guess, point out that, I guess, the pain, the difficulties, what the cost that this is having for them, and that it's not that it's their fault. It's not that they've done anything wrong. And wouldn't it be great if that if that pain could be fixed? And then then it's really being able to talk about it in in a very hopeful way. So I guess again, you know, you catch that despair that you might feel when people are disclosing that. But it's sort of knowing that hold on, there is stuff here that can actually help. And so how you present that in a in a confident and hopeful full way. And you may not even know how that's going to happen. Right? It's more yes. a concept of you know, psychologists are really good with this stuff. You know, why don't, why don't we, would you like me to help you book an appointment with your GP and um, make that a long appointment because it does take half an hour to do a psychology <laughs> referral. Um, so I guess it's having that positive. Uh, and again, I guess, again, checking, you know, what, yeah, how am I feeling and what am I thinking? 
once again, it's 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 multi-layered. So it's meeting them, it's that empathy, but then also that sense of hope that there are things that can support us yes. and support them on their on their path as well. That's right. And I think where we get bogged down is working out like the the the, the minutiae of how it's going to happen. Yeah. Right. So, so if somebody's got like financial distress, you may not know how you're going to get the money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what they're going to get help with is how do they manage the distress about that and what services are available. So you don't need to know exactly what's going to happen. It's just merely more of that concept of this can be managed. Yes, yes, that sense of hope. This is probably a little bit along similar lines, but, you know, when a person says perhaps they're not okay, mm-hmm. um, but they they sort of say things are not that bad. Would you still suggest letting them know about services available? And oh, definitely. How, how, yes, and how would you navigate? I suppose similar. How would you navigate that? I think you've you've expressed that beautifully from from what you've just said. It's a, yeah, it's a matter of, and I and I guess it's it's knowing that it's not just one conversation. Um, yes, it's yes. it's checking in again and and I guess ad- adapting it to I guess how the person wants to receive it. So you're not badgering, um, but but you're just, yeah, you're just kind of checking again and again. You're going, okay, how's that been? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, actually, another resource that, that people may not be aware of, about is actually the five ways to well-being, uh, which is... Love to hear. Can you tell me a bit oh. about so, okay. so it's it's actually looking at, I guess, I mean, well, well-being, which is important for you know for all of us, and it looks at the things that maintain our well-being and, and the things that can help us when we're struggling um, a bit. And it may not, you don't have to have a, a mental health diagnosis to need assistance in well-being. I think we all do, particularly at this, you know, our third year of a pandemic. Um, you know, we're all a little bit, de- well, quite a bit depleted in in areas. Yes. So. And so again, there's evidence to say that looking after our well-being is is important in these these particular five ways. So so the first one is is connection, and so we can you know we can build on our connections and help uh, you know the people people that we're concerned about build on their connections. Being active, so uh, you know the evidence shows that even an hour of exercise a week um, is beneficial beneficial to our mental health. And so you could, you know, say, say, look, let's meet for a walk. So, you know, encouraging people to be active. Keeping learning is is the next one. Uh, And that doesn't mean learning within your your workplace because we've all been doing far too much of that. But it might be going and learning a new skill or, uh, yeah, a language or something or just, you know, how to play tiddlywinks. It doesn't really matter, but just, yes. Different part of the brain. It's right. And actually travel does that because we're learning, you know, you know, you get, you get to a new place and you've got to work out how to get there. That That's actually, yeah, that's that sort of learning. And then being aware. And that's, about, I guess, about, you know, checking in with where, where you are, um, how you're feeling, but also being aware of your external environment. You know, again, if we go, you know, if we're going for the walk, are we, are we kind of really enjoying the trees around us or just sort of thinking about work <laughs> um, yeah and then the next one is interesting it's actually helping others and so acts of kindness have actually an effect on our brain chemistry to to actually make us feel better wow that's that's mm. that's so so helpful Kathy so the five that's connection activity yep. keeping learning being aware and, and, and that mindfulness and helping others. And yes. That's 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 tremendous. That's wonderfully helpful. Because I was I was interested in some of the self-care practices that you would 
you know, consider sharing with your patients. And, and that really captures it so beautifully. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other two self-care things that also have evidence that I share with patients, well, she talked about, sorry, the, the, the um, activity, but also actually healthy eating. Um, and what's the first two things that, that we dump when we're getting stressed? We stop exercising and we don't eat well. And again, I guess, you know, if you're supporting your friends and your, and your family, you know, you know, a nice meal, a walk, yeah, it's, it's all going to be helpful. I often find it sort of coming back to those basics, isn't it? Mm. You know, reclaiming some good food, some good exercise, and those things mm. over an extended period of time can can really make a difference. Yep, but they can be so hard to do when you're feeling down. Um, yeah, of course. So that, yeah, so that, mm. so the trick is encouraging people to do it, not in a way that they're going to feel they fail because it's too big and it's no. too hard. Yeah, no, it's yeah. the one step at a time, small mm. steps, yeah, steps. Kathy, in a role like yours, you're meeting people who are going through tremendous things in their lives and, and many challenges. You know, apart from supporting individuals, what, what sustains you in your sort of a role? What, what enables you to keep, keep doing, you know, the extraordinary work that you're doing? Look, it has actually seen people getting better. Uh, there's yeah. nothing more rewarding than, than seeing people in great pain and getting better. You know, that's definitely a big part of it. My education part, I think balance, and it's about getting balance. And I think we're, you know, we're constantly in life trying to work out we've got balance, you know, and, and what you think when well, you're on holidays is balance is different to when you're in the middle of work. But but my work with Black Dog actually allows me to balance that because the teaching again, you know, um, and and seeing that people kind of feel so much more confident if they're equipped with more strategies to, to use. And then, yeah, it's it's then fun. and some of the travel that I do because I've been around Australia with Black Dog, and so that actually allows me some enforced downtime. So as annoying as it may be, sitting uh, in an airport for three hours because Qantas is late again, I've got books and Netflix and things to watch as well. And yeah, I'm definitely very much about exercise. I I love that. That's a very important part of my and family and I could keep going on. But, um, but definitely oh, no. uh, the, the absolute uh, joy is a grandchild. <laughs> very, very special. Very, very special, Kathy. Kathy, Kathy I, I can't thank you enough. You know, you, you've shared such, such wisdom, such experience with us all today. Um, but you've also shared just such such a great deal about humanity and that the importance in all of this, in all of these conversations, is, is the human dimension, mm -hmm. that sense of meeting people, hearing what they're saying, hearing that distress and meeting people in that moment before we start going through, you know, how to work with it or, or make suggestions. It, it's that thing of meeting people where they're at and I think that that's just so key to this journey for, for people walking with others yeah. and asking people are you okay it's that meeting people yeah. so thank you very very much for being with us today Kathy I, I really can't thank you enough you're very welcome thanks Rob thank you thank you for joining our program today there are many other wonderful agencies like the Black Dog Institute offering support during times of distress these include Beyond Blue, Lifeline, Kids Helpline, New South Wales Mental Health Line, and the Suicide Callback Service. And as we acknowledge Are You OK Day on September 8, 
I encourage all of us to consider those in our lives who may benefit from someone asking, are you okay? If you'd like to take some time now or in the future to enjoy some treasured stillness, I invite you to listen to Meditation 14, a meditation on compassion in support of Are You OK Day. Please note that there were some references in this episode to sensitive mental health issues, including suicide. If you felt uncomfortable or distressed at any point during the episode, please reach out to someone for help. Connect with one of the support agencies or contact a medical practitioner directly. Go gently and I look forward to being with you next time.